Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, May 30th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. As always, I am joined by the king, El Rey de Fantasy Sports, Scott Angle. How you doing so far? I feel like it's earlier in the week, but it's already uh, hump day Wednesday. Scott, how you feeling? Buenos dias, muy amable. <laughs> how you doing, Scott? I'm, a, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, yeah. Big week. My son's college graduation tomorrow. Oh, uh, nice. Sean Tell Angle Sean congrats. Queens College tomorrow. Nice. Uh, so looking forward to the, the big day tomorrow. Absolutely. Do they still uh, actually like throw the, their hats up in the air? Or is that I kind of I'll like find out tomorrow? Yeah, right? please report yeah. back. I want to know if that's yeah. actually still done because kind of that's kind of like a health hazard. You know, you got to keep your head on a swivel with all those caps and tassels in the air. It's all fun and games until someone gets an eye poking out, Scott. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah, when he graduated from community college, they did that. So. All right. No, looking yeah. forward to it. Congratulations, obviously, to the entire Angle family. Let me tell you something. You know, Scott, we have talked about this before. I have heard you say on numerous occasions that there is a different, like, health and training staff out there in Queens for the Mets, but maybe they are just snake bitten. I mean, in the same 24 hours, you have Noah Syndergaard go on the DL, right? And then Steven Matz leaves his start after about three innings, both with, like, finger issues? Uh, are they going to have to start using the opener like the Tampa Bay Rays? What's going on with the starting arms in New York, Scott? Well, uh, Syndergaard went on the DL with a strained ligament in his right index finger. But Mickey Calloway says he's going to be ready to come back off the DL as soon as he's ready, so he'll miss 10 days. Uh, Matt's x-rays were negative. He's going to undergo an MRI on his left middle finger. Matt's has been getting in, getting injured since high school, so this is this is no surprise. Right. You know he's just not a durable guy. Seth Lugo is going to make a spot start on Thursday. Jason Vargas is going to start on short rest. So in, uh, in daily, I'm recommending Brave Stacks today. 
Yeah, if you're going to go up against Vargas, who, you know, really has only had, I think, one good outing in his last few, and he's going on short rest. But, Scott, you know, one of the things we've been talking about off air is how we should give a little bit of an injury update, right? Because we've talked about how many people are getting banged up. Listen, Matt's was not, last night, the only starter to kind of have some injury concerns. I know there was a quick hook in with L.A. There was a quick hook for the Giants as well. A couple of other guys, real short outings. Uh, the infirmary unit continues, huh, Scott? Yeah, it does. Uh, also, you had, uh, we, well, you, you had uh, yeah, Kenta Maeda uh, right. diagnosed with a right hip strain. He left after two innings. We'll have to wait and see. Jeff Samarja expected to be headed to the DL uh, with, a, with a tight right shoulder. He had to leave after one inning yesterday. Uh, Francisco Liriano on the 10-day DL with a hamstring. Brian McCann on the 10-day DL with a, with a, with right knee soreness, which could help open up some opportunities from a guy I've been talking about a lot. Max Stassi can make a good mm-hmm. second catch or pick up. Tyler Saladino got injured in the field last night, uh, twisted his ankle. He's expected to head to the DL. And some better news, uh, Madison Bumgartner yeah. is expected to join the Giants rotation next Tuesday. The mm-hmm. the Rays activating Neil Nathan Ivaldi from the DL. He will start today. Uh, there will be no bullpen today against the Oakland A's. And Rangers manager Jeff Bannister told the media that Adrian Beltre is getting very close to returning. Daniel Murphy also expected to play a few more rehab games as mm-hmm. he gets closer to returning. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned McCann, you know, knee soreness. That's not good for a catcher who's down there squatting all the time. You mentioned Maeda and Samarja. At least both of those teams are getting studs back in the next seven days. Clayton Kershaw, I believe, is going to go on Thursday. You mentioned Madison Bumgarner now slated to rejoin and make his 2018 season debut on Tuesday. Hey, Scott, one game I definitely want to talk a little bit about is those Pittsburgh Pirates and the Chicago Cubs. After the drama of yesterday, Anthony Rizzo says, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to stay hot. He doubles. He hits his eighth home run of the season. So a good game out of Rizzo and the Cubs. They win it 8-6. Scott, though, on the other side of things, listen, Austin Meadows just will not stop. He is now hitting 439. He goes yard. You know, he's in place of Polanco getting the start. And this is a guy now who's hitting over 420 with four home runs in his first 40 at-bats Something that has not been done in a while. Yeah, and he got off to a slow start this year. Maybe some people traded him, but last year he started slow too. The fans were booing him last night, but uh, you know sometimes that motivates an opposing player. And uh, you know, Rizzo has just started turning around. Now we got to wait for Goldsmith to do it. He had a good game the other night, and they rested him yesterday. All right, so maybe, you know, as the weather starts to warm up, people start finding their grooves. You know, let me tell you something. You know, Austin Meadows, we've talked about all these kids that are having an impact. Austin Meadows, definitely among them. We go to New York where another kid has a big impact. I'm talking about Gliber Torres. You know, Torres gets a game-winning RBI as the Yankees beat the Astros in extra innings last night. Brett Gardner with multiple... Multiple home runs. Scott, talk to me about Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner is a guy that, you know, the Yankees have really stuck with for a long time. He's now kind of like the elder statesman. I remember him coming up with guys like Melky Cabrera.
Cabrera. You know, Gardner goes four for five last night, three ribbies. Can I ask you, though, with all this revolution about, like, power guys at the top of the lineup, you know, and the three true outcomes, Brett Gardner is kind of like a dying breed as a as a leadoff man who's a slap hitter and can run. Um, it, where is Brett Gardner in your mind? Is he a viable, like, third outfielder on your fantasy team? Yeah, he certainly is. Uh, got off to a slow start this year. I mean, had the terrific season last year at, mm-hmm. at age 34. But uh, it, look, right now he's hitting 256. Uh, the homers really haven't been there. there was, he only had two going into last night. The steals haven't right. been there. He's Matches only his had total. Five. Uh, you know, looking at somebody, the advanced statistics, the three three hundred two Babip mm-hmm. is. Uh, I think it's a little bit low. You expect about 10 points higher, I would think. Right, but, for a speedster like no, him. The, is- the isolated power is down about about 40 points here. I think Gardner got off to a slow start, but now he's in a groove. Uh, now, he's, now he's starting to hit a groove, and obviously he's on, he's on a very, very good team. Uh, you know, you look, at, uh, you look at some more of those advanced numbers, uh, his line drive rate is, is, uh, is down, like – he he's hitting he's hitting the ball on the ground a lot more this year, fifty two percent this year as opposed to forty four percent. So hmm. he's got to start lifting the ball a little bit more like he did last night, and things will turn around, and he'll be good. I would say third fantasy outfielder, maybe fourth. Okay, so you see him maybe as an outfield of four uh, for for a team. I mean, it's interesting though, Scott. You talk about how the power numbers are down, and you know Gardner actually does not run as much as you might think for a guy who has the speed and is up at the top of the lineup. But uh, my man Scott Angle, the King, expects him to start to hit. What do you have? Twenty steals last year, though. Yeah, and and he had and he had home runs. That's pretty good for a guy at age 34. You know, you're talking, you know, 15, 15, 20, 20, and he's nowhere close right now. But but that's what I'm saying. Look, he's not close to that right now. You expect him, though, to start to uh, pick it up a little bit, though. Yes, certainly. Uh, I think he's a better player than what he's shown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, you know, he's got to stop hitting the ball on the ground so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another game let's get it into here. The Cleveland Indians, they take out the Chicago White Sox at home. They go now three games over 500 in that AL Central. They win 7-3. Listen, everybody was on Mike Clevenger yesterday playing Roto Cleo. Both you, Scott, and Jake uh, get a W out of Clevenger. He goes six and two-thirds, gives up only one run, striking out seven. But honestly, Scott, the guy I want to talk about, they mentioned it at the top of the show in the news update, Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley goes three for four. He's now hitting 343. He hits his ninth home run of the season off of Lucas Giolito. But then again, everybody hits off of Lucas Giolito. My question, though, Scott, is I remember a few years ago, Bradley was a really, you know, he was an all-star caliber player. This guy has been riddled with injuries for the last few years. You know, he shows that he can clearly, you know, still kind of do it. His OPS is around 950. Can we trust him moving forward? Like, if I have Brantley, I'm really happy about it. But, you know, should I be nervous that this could all come crashing down with one injury? This guy does have a history. Yeah, but you can't play like that. If you if you try to deal him and sell high, everybody else is aware of the history. That's hitting yeah. three forty three, like he's got a three thirty five BABIP. That's got to come down a, a little bit. The isolated power is two thirty. That's almost a hundred points. Uh, 
over his career average. So you're going to see some settling there. Although I think we always know when this guy has been healthy, he's always been a very, very good player. So I think it's a thing if you, you take what you can get when you can get it. The whole run to fly ball rate is 18% right now, which is like 10, 10 percentage points over his career average. Mm-hmm. And you, you know that kind of luck usually comes back to earth. So he's going to regress a little bit. As far as an injury, you can't predict that. Yes, he's he's had some long-term injuries. So I think you take what you can get. Because when did you draft the guy? You drafted him really late. Sure. I mean, that's true. But, you know, you say you can't predict injuries, Scott. The one pushback I have is I know the kind of the age-old adage is that the greatest predictor of injuries is past injuries, you know, and and your past injury history. And, and you know, that is not a category that Michael Brantley comes kind of like, uh, you know, flying, no, passing with flying colors. No, but I don't think you're going to get a lot for him in the trade market. Mm-hmm. So you might as well I, ride it I out when you can. Don't don't mess with success because if it does happen again, you know, take the production until until you have it. If you feel that way, you know, make sure you got to have some good depth on your bench. Okay, fair enough. Another game I want to go to is in Detroit with the Los Angeles. By the way, Angels. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, uh, no. Michael Brantley and uh, and yeah. Jose Ramirez have combined for 32 RBIs this month. Yeah, that's that's pretty good, yeah. I would say. You know, and 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 you talk about Ramirez. I think he hit his 16th home run of the season yesterday. Uh, yep. So he's getting hot. I mean, that Indians lineup. You know, you talk about these kind of guys. Was Jose Ramirez might have been the quietest, like top three MVP candidate I've ever seen last year. You know, everyone was talking about you know guys like Francisco Lindor. We we have Lindor maybe in. In our in our bracket of the face of baseball, you know, other 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 guys on that team, that rotation, especially that bullpen of last year. But Ramirez kind of went under the radar leading the league in doubles and still and having all these extra base hits. And he's doing it again. Can we speak a little bit to Jose Ramirez? I mean, Scott, why is he kind of. You know, I mean, I know serious fantasy players know him, but it seems like he hasn't had the kind of blue chip uh, notoriety of some of these other guys that are putting up production. Tell me more about Ramirez. Well, like you said, fantasy players know who he is. Right. The guy was a second round, third round pick in a lot of fantasy leagues. So most of our audience knows who he is. As far as why, you know, he doesn't get more national attention, I think that's, yeah. that's kind of hard to speak to. Uh yeah, Francisco Lindor is definitely the signature player there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Indians just don't have a lot of glamorous guys on their roster. Uh, Jose Ramirez, you know, doesn't hit, does doesn't hit like these Bryce Harper spectacular bombs or these Aaron Judge spectacular bombs. But he he gets it done. It's he, he's not as flashy as Jose Altuve. It's you know maybe the way he goes about his his business, but. I, I'm really, I'm really picking at straws. That's that's very, very hard to answer. But okay. until the Cleveland Indians win a World Championship, you know right. they're not going to get the national respect that they 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 always they that they already deserve because they, they you know they yeah. they took the Cub to seven games. Exactly. They took out the Yankees been... last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think as a team, the Indians still don't get a lot of respect nationally. 
Yeah, I agree with that. So, you know, big shout out, of course, to Tito Francona, you know, managing that bullpen in a different way. People love the way he uses Andrew Miller or did in that run. I know Miller is, you know, kind of banged up this year and really putting together a solid all around squad there in Cleveland. I still expect them to run away and hide in the AL Central. We go to Detroit. Speaking of the AL Central, where the Angels take out the Tigers nine to two. Scott, the Angels score nine runs, but when when I look in the box score, Trout didn't have any ribbies. Upton didn't have any ribbies. Pujols didn't have any ribbies. Otani didn't hit last night. I look, it's all the way down in the bottom of the order. Luis Valbueno, Maldonado, and Ian Kinsler. Scott, Ian Kinsler is still riding the interstate after Memorial Day, but he goes three for three, three ribbies, three runs. Threes were wild for Ian Kinsler. Still hitting 195. When you look at second baseman like him and Kipnis, we just talked about on the Indians, like, are these guys... Is this a sign that Kinsler may be able to start breaking out of his funk? I mean, he's still in the bottom third of that lineup. Imagine the Angels if they get Kinsler going as well. Yeah, Kinsler is, you know, still capable of, you know, giving you some counting numbers, but he's well past his prime in his career, and obviously you see it in the batting average. Yeah. Luis Valbuena had a big game last night, but it'd probably be two months before he, he does that again. I really see... I think it's just unusual, you know, when you play 162 games a year, you know, some guys you don't expect to shine are going to shine, and that's what happened last night. Fair enough. On the other side of things, you know, how the Angels score these runs? Well, they scored them off of Michael Fulmer. Fulmer goes three and a third innings, gives up five runs, only striking out one. His ERA is now, Scott, up to 4.60. Remember we were talking about how much I'd love him as a trade target? Well, the Tigers may be losing some of the pieces that they might have been able to flip. You know, talk about Lariano. He's on the DL. Fulmer just not really pitching as well. Um... Do you think uh, – what's up with Michael Fulmer? Well, that's the third game this month in which he's allowed five I think he was dropped runs or more. In a league that I'm in. He was dropped in a league I that I'm in. I think that's kind of reactionary. But Fulmer is – throughout his career, you always wondered why he was so effective because he's not the kind of guy that strikes out a lot of people. Oh. And right now, you, you always worry about guys like that. You know, when mm-hmm. is – one of the explosions going to hit, and you've had three this month right now. You know, if Michael Fulmer keeps going like this, he's going to go for a guy to lock into your lineup into a streamer. Yeah, okay, so we should keep your eye on that. Remember, we have now, like I said, you know, we've played 50, 55 games. We're a third of the way through the season. So guys like this that are concerning, whether it's Fulmer, whether it's Kinsler, you have to start to take them much more seriously. We are often running here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. When we come back, here's what we're going to do. we got a couple of more games to look at, a couple of more headlines, and then we're going to dive into to DFS action for today. We got a big show for you. We'll even be talking PGA golf with Colin Drew a little bit later on. It's Roto Experts in the Morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, yo, over here. You want to win DFS? And you want it for just $1? I got Daily Roto here. Now, why do you want it? Two of the guys behind it have won a million dollars. It's not just about the writers. 
not one, not two, but three subscribers of the one a million dollars do. That's five millionaires. Five, count them. And it's not counting the $100,000 winners, too. They talk about it in the Slack channel. But why is it a dollar right now? Special price for the month of May. Yeah, if you don't like it, then walk away. If you love it and you're winning, keep going. Do I use it? How do you think I afford my massive tracksuit collection? Come on, look at the glitter on this. It's beautiful. You can sort your stats, add your own weights, read articles, distinguish between slates on FanDuel and DraftKings. You gotta go to DailyRoto.com and enter code $1. I may just be a creepy guy in a random alley inside your head, but I know what I'm talking about. That's DailyRoto.com, code $1. That's it, one. One dollar, one month, and start winning. The champ is here. That's what we do here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We build champs. We help you win your leagues and win that cash. Dane Martinez and the king, El Rey de Fantasia. Scott Engel doing his thing. Scott, we were talking. I am you know, talk- Yeah, buddy. That's what we do. It's multicultural here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Scott, I look to Oakland. I see that the Tampa Bay Rays beat the Oakland A's 4-3. to three. And, I, I, Scott, I'm just confused at this point. Sergio Romo gets the save for the Tampa Bay Rays. So what? The man is the opener and the closer now? I thought it was Alvarado. I thought it was going to be Alvarado. It's still Chaz Rowe getting the hold, you know, coming in in the eighth. But now Romo is the closer and the opener? Make some sense out of this for me, Scott. What do I do here? I think you have to play wait and see here. Sergio Romo does have past closing experience, but it was a long time ago, and it wasn't clean last night. Uh, he allowed two earned runs and two hits last night, so right. it still might be Alvarado. But again, you know, this is a situation like Toronto, maybe, where you're talking about a non-contending team, and there isn't a singular answer right now. Right. Go ahead. You've you've seen everybody in Toronto. It's Tapera. It's it's Clipper. And there's talk of even getting O back or Axford back in the mix. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be mix and match, depend on the matchup. It could be a bullpen by committee that still exists. If they're going to have starter by committee, wouldn't they have? Why wouldn't they have bullpen by committee? Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess my question is like, aren't most athletes creatures of habit you know i'm reminded reminded of wade boggs hopping over the third baseline and eating a bowl of chicken you know at like 707 or whatever it is every single day if you're sergio romo and i I guess it's great right to be able to be like yo put me in coach i'll do whatever's necessary for the team and i get all that but it's it's very it's different coming in starting the game closing the game middle relief i just think it's very interesting the swiss army knife that sergio romo is becoming because of this are you maybe more likely to have him on your fantasy team no because i can't imagine him being the guy if i still want alvarado if anybody mm-hmm. uh yeah and but you talk about guys being creatures of habit well yeah. they all they also you know have to be ready for change at any time especially when you're a reliever if there's an injury you can go from the guy who's getting holes to the guy who's closing at any time Alex Colomay can trade in a minute and he goes from a closer to a right. setup guy. Uh, hitters can be dropped in the lineup at any time. 
Fielders have to be versatile and change positions. A starter can get bumped to the bullpen at any time, even though they may not like it. So baseball is a constantly changing game. As much as you'd like routine, yeah, you can have your same routine of eating cornflakes with orange juice every morning, but that doesn't mean you're going to play the same position two days in a row. I guess that is very true, especially, I would say, you know, when you say the guys who can play a lot of different positions, I actually think that is especially true, Scott, in this day and age of baseball where, to be quite honest, the rosters are comprised of more pitchers and more arms in the bullpen. You look at rosters 10, 15, 20 years ago, there was four Rastas. or five guys on Rastaman. There was four or five guys on the bench. Now teams have like three guys on the bench and are going with 13 pitchers on their roster. So you need the Eduardo Nunezes, the Marwin Gonzalezes, the people that can play so many different positions and help your bench, you know, um, the uh, those guys that can really do it all for you. Scott, in Los Angeles, the Dodgers go down 6-1 to one to the Philadelphia Phillies. Jake Arietta, Scott, seven innings of shutout ball, strikes out five. Arietta is now down to 2.16. His ERA is good for fourth in the National League. I was on, honestly, Scott, going into this season, I was of the mindset that I didn't think Arietta was going to be worth the high-end deal. He did only sign for a couple years, maximizing his value with Philly, but I thought that he was sort of on the decline. Uh, Arietta proving me and the Cubbies wrong. Yeah, certainly is. He's got. A, you know what his ERA this month is? Why don't you try to guess? Uh, is it Verlander-ish? Uh, his ERA this this better. month? It's better. Uh, I'll go with zero point three one. No, it's a little higher than that. Zero. Okay, what is it? Ah, still, this is like that stretch he had for the Cubs that year when he won the Cy Young. Yeah. And you know, as far as far as his uh, his pitch selection goes right now, it's it's not wholeheartedly different. He's throwing the sinker about the same amount of time. Uh, th- there's nothing really different in the pitch selection right now. And in terms of the velocity, his fastball is pretty much uh, about the same. So, and in terms of the plate discipline, though, he's getting more swings and misses outside outside the zone. But and uh, the the contact rate uh, is actually up overall, you know, by by opposing pitchers, by opposing batters. The swinging strike rate is down. So, you know, there's 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 really nothing when you go take a deep dive into the numbers right now. uh, You take a look at the ERA. It's two point one six. The XFIP is three point ninety. So that does point to some regression. The strand rate is 73.2, and the bad bip is 267, but that 267 is right on line with his career mark of, uh, of 268. So there's nothing to me that when I'm studying the advanced numbers on Arietta that says major regression except for the ex-fip. So you know, I don't think it could stay like this. You know, dominant, but he could still be a very good starting pitcher three for any fantasy team. Okay, fair enough. You know, you talk about oh, – and first of all, Scott, starting pitching three, there is no fantasy rotation. I had a great, I had a great expert once tell me that, that there is no such yes. thing as a fantasy rotation. It's so, fantasy you know, Jake, staff. Yes. Jake Arrieta just doing his thing for fantasy owners, absolutely. As the Philadelphia Phillies, like I say, they win. They are now, however, one game back – 
Scott, of the Atlanta Braves in the NL East, but one game back is only good enough for third place in that division. The Washington Nationals have won five in a row, seven and three in their last ten, and they were in first place, you know, for a few hours yesterday. Then when the Braves, with their comeback victory over the Mets, they retake first place, but the Nationals are hot. They win again, 3-2 over the Orioles, and you mentioned it at the top of the show. Daniel Murphy expected to kind of rejoin this lineup maybe at the end of the week it sounds like he's going to play like two more rehab games they, they it looks don't like they don't they don't know exactly when he's going to come back i think he's going to play at least three more rehab games okay three more rehab games i thought it was two but still it's it sounds like he's trending to come back soon maybe over the weekend or at the start of their series next week and he you know i Here's what I would ask, Scott. Compare him and his impact in the lineup to kind of the returning Justin Turner when he came back into that lineup. You know, a guy. these are guys that hit 320 that kind of, uh, you know, obviously fantasy players know about them, both former Mets that then turn around and hit 320. Um, you think, what do you think Murphy can do for this offense once he does get back into it? I think he'll probably be Daniel Murphy. Uh, he's been held mm-hmm. out for so long that I can't imagine that he's going to have a lot of rust necessarily uh, because they're not going to bring him back before he's ready. Well, I could be wrong on that as I, I talk it through. The, the speed of the game in Major League pitching, you know, even for a professional hitter like that, you know, it might take him a little while to find his zone. You don't know, but just he's he's coming. He's taking longer to come back than Justin Turner did. For fantasy purposes, though, if you've stashed him, like like I have on uh, on two teams, you know this is a nice find to try to push you up in the standings right here because you know you're going to get power. You know right. you're going to get batting average. You know you're going to get run production. So Murphy, it's 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 almost it's almost like you made a trade at this point. For an right. impact bat, you've you've or you've spent a lot of money on Fab. If you were mm-hmm. smart, you know you wait. I thought I thought he was going to come back a lot sooner. I drafted him in like the sixth and eighth round in, in some leagues, but then it turned out he was going to be bad for longer. But look, missing the first two months, and then I get June, July, August, September out of him. Mm-hmm. You know this guy could push me to a championship. Yeah, uh, you know maybe even. Similar people who, you know, drafted and stashed a guy like Madison Bumgarner may start to get that same boost. The cavalry is coming in many ways. In one and, of my leagues, the yeah. Grand Street Tavern League, I'm in first place with a six-point lead right now. Yeah. I get Kershaw back this week, and i also waiting for Murphy to come back. Yeah, so there you go. The cavalry is coming, and that's going to be happening for a couple of fantasy teams across this fair land. Hey, Scott, let's turn our attention to DFS for today, okay? You got to go on over to DailyRoto.com. The guys are great over there. We're talking to Colin Drew a little bit later on in the show. We talked to Mike Leone weekly. They make millionaires over there at DailyRoto.com, and they come out with their DFS preview very early in the morning. So go ahead and check that out. Scott, a lot of good Before options Before you go today. on, though. What's up? The cre- the creativity for those guys, yeah. It's you know with the headlines and the graphics they come yeah. up with, it's very entertaining. It's like sure. the best in the business. You look at yesterday's uh, DFS analysis. Oh, the Tyson Ross the head- thing headline the punch was, out? was Tyson Ross. It said Tyson's punch out. It was like played off the video game. It was it's it's tremendous. You know they do stuff like that all the yeah. time. I did see that. I, I, I laughed when I saw that. I'm reminded of Mike Tyson's punch-out. For all those who don't know, 007-373-5963 if you want to get straight to Mike Tyson. Um, they talked today. What was that? 
that's the code. You could put in a little cheat code instead of having to play everybody like the oh. Clash Joes and the Ball Bulls. You would get oh, straight yeah. to fighting Mike Tyson. You know, I never had the Super Nintendo. I was a, I was a Sega Master System kind of guy. Oh, a little the Sonic the Hedgehog stuff. Uh, that no, that was the Genesis. Oh, that was Genesis. The Master We're talking System old school. was before that. Gotcha. You. You're on some like Pong and Atari. Gotcha. No, that's not not that quite that. I'm dating that retro you, so either. Sorry. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you're missing the niche that I'm talking about. You're <laughs> that's falling a... right outside of it and then further. Well, behind because it, but... what the niche you're talking about covered like two years, Scott. Because then they went straight to like Sega Genesis. Yeah, they did. All right. But there well, was a good two year period where the master. It's a short slice of heaven, cool. right? But yeah, I never had the, I never had the Nintendo, but I did play Punch Out in the arcade, and I could never get past Ball Bull. He was going see to Ball Bull. You butt. had to time that charge right. You had to time yeah. that charge right when he was hopping. It was like the third little hop. That's when you had to punch him in the gut. I remember King Hippo was also real fun. You know how they all had all of them had like you I like, know, the I like one the way that you guy. had to beat them. I like the karate uh, guy. Piston Honda. No, that was Piston Hurricane, but he wasn't the karate guy. All right. I forgot well, what the karate well, guy's name is, but yeah, it's always people are left, left, honey blow, honey blow, left. All left, right, so blow, here's what we got to do. Hit us up. Hit us up on Twitter, okay, at uh, Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty Roto X. If you have some punch-out tips for us, okay, you could also join the show not by hollering at us. Well, you never know. These guys, though, I know our guy, the analyst, Chris Ventra. I know our friend Craig Carton is all about those video games. I think they play, like, the Fortnite or whatever it is. But, hey, you know, if you have some advice or some strategies for us, hit us up at 844-843-6879. Scott, a lot of decent options on the Hill tonight. Obviously, you got Max Scherzer, you know, pitching against an Orioles lineup that do strike out. You know, you got Paxton on the Hill, Otani on the Hill, and your boy Ross stripling scott who has really been amazing are you paying up for scherzer or are you again taking the chance on a guy like stripling who has performed incredibly well in his last uh and since he's been called to start i think stripling's a nice start but my probably my two favorites on the docket are john gray to have a mm. good home start and get a victory against san francisco uh he has pitched as well uh but and also and also Julio Tehran against the Mets. He just mm. he owns the Mets. He nearly no hit them earlier this month. Uh, Julio Tehran is maybe my favorite tonight. So tell me a little bit more about why you like John Gray, okay? Because I see John Gray starting at home, and I run the other way. You know what I mean? Like I understand. Is this kind of a GPP play where you think he'll be low owned, or are you not concerned about Coors Field? Of course, I'm concerned about Coors Field, but I think we've seen Gray pitch well at home in the past. And uh, like this year, he's been kind of been kind of up and down. But you know, I uh, I, I I like him in tournaments, like they say on on Daily Roto. Right. I think he's like ownership you said, kind of thing. He's going to be low ownership. I think Julio Tehran might be low ownership too, and it might be overlooked as well. So. Uh, if that Giants offense is not something I trust, even though they were hitting last night. Uh, once in a while, I think you get a good start from Gray at home. So I'm willing to risk it. And I think you, you have to be willing to risk it when you're talking about a tournament play. You know, yeah, not, for a ca- not for a cash game. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a cash game, you want kind of the safer idea because you're just trying to, you know, finish in the top 50 or the top uh, the top 33% or whatever the case may be, depending on if you're doing the, you know, the triple up, the quintuple up or the double up, whatever the case may be. So there you maybe go a little bit safer. Maybe you got a James Paxton on the hill. But if you need to kind of pop off in a way that people won't have, John Gray could be an idea. What about Sean Manaya? Scott, you know, I'm, you know, we talk about Coors Field as something maybe you're afraid of. Out there in Oakland, you got to love the park factor. He's up against the Rays. They're a big-time favorite. The Rays only have a three-and-a-half implied run total. Would you ever take a shot on Sean Manaya tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. He's been kind of up and down, but I think you really like the matchup. All right. Well, there you have it. And check it out. Remember, like we said, go on over to DailyRoto.com. Okay. They really help you out over there. As Scott was saying, they do, you know, some fun stuff kind of with their references and their graphics. But what you can also do over at DailyRoto.com is get a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. There you'll find a link to free DFS baseball almost every day. We're giving you all the insight you need to do well in it. Okay. The contests are sponsored. Sponsored by DKMS, and they're looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, and 30% is a good batting average, you hit 300, but that's not good in finding a donor. 70%, nearly 14,000 each year must rely on the kindness of strangers. Not in the fantasy world, but in the real world. You can do this. Go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. Find out how you can help and play in free DFS contests, you get a shot of winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game as well. When we come back, Scott, here's what we're going to do. It is Wednesday, and I know our guy George Kurtz over at rotoexperts.com always does a good uh, closer article to see who are guys you can latch on to. We talk about how there's fluid situations in Toronto, fluid situations in Tampa Bay, maybe a closer in Baltimore very close to being back we will discuss this and what it means for your fantasy team when we come back dane martinez speeds the spitting statistician the stable genius and vocal minority with el rey de fantasy scott angle it's roto experts in the morning come on right back hey i'm jeff look i'm just a skeleton i don't have an acl anymore but I still like to know what it means when one of my fantasy players sprains his. That's why I use the Inside Injuries app. It was created by real doctors. So you're getting information directly from people who have seen, touched, and operated on actual ACLs. Take it from me, a skeleton. If you aren't using it, you might as well just be guessing. Download the free app today and unlock the secrets of injury analysis. Jump around bright and early in the morning. Get that cardio in as you're listening to Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Speeds, the spitting statistician. See, Scott is coughing because he was jumping around too much with House of Pain. I have the king, Scott Angle, with me. Before the break, Scott, 
who said we were going to dive a little bit into the great work again by George Kurtz. He always gets it done out there on rotoexperts.com, the mark of fantasy excellence. Every Tuesday, he comes out with an article kind of giving you a snapshot and a status update on the kind of movements at the back end of the bullpen. And Scott, there's a couple of situations I want to dive into with you now. First off, in Cincinnati, remember yesterday, remember last week, Scott, when I said how pissed off I was that someone in my league beat me in the race to the computer because you said it was Bush League with the waivers and that I wanted Jared Hughes because I saw Iglesias go on the DL? Well, it looks like I'm actually happy that I didn't have to go ahead and get Jared Hughes because his time is probably up. They're saying Iglesias is going to be back pretty quickly, maybe even today because this is the end of the two, uh, the 10 days. It was retroactive yep. to May 20th. Do you expect Iglesias to just take his job back right away? Or, you know, like we saw at Corey Knebel in Milwaukee, he'd have to kind of work up to it a little bit. Yeah, Knebel was out for a while, so they wanted mm. to ease him back in. Iglesias will probably... Just go right back into the job. I can't imagine they would use Jared Hughes against him. Hughes did a nice job. He got three saves while he was out. He did his job. But then again, the Cincinnati doesn't get a lot of save opportunities either. So it's nothing to sweat unless you were desperate for a closer. Fair enough, you know, and some people are, though, you know, that's the difference of a couple of saves, especially in yep. some roto leagues, can definitely get you points. I'm on, you know, Scott, I, I personally, and I know no one likes to hear about someone else's fantasy team, but I'm in second place in a roto right now, but I am, you know, I'm only getting like four points for saves in this 12-person uh, league, but... I have Britain coming back. I just got right. Canable. I have Nate Jones who assumed the role. So I'm expecting to kind of, you know, start to ascend in that category. And I really think that could be the margin for me to maybe even take over first place. I think so these Nate saves, Jones hasn't had a save in like nine days. That's okay, though. He is. Yeah. Let's go there, though. He is, in fact, the closer, it looks like, for the Chai Sox. It's not Joachim Soria anymore. So you think Nate Jones has a grasp on that role, though? He does, but you know he yeah. has, his last save came well over a week ago. Fair enough. It's same, similar like you just said. Cincinnati, they're not winning a ton of games. Neither is Chicago. You know, but these are saves that you can get. You know who is winning a lot of games, Scott? The Houston Astros are winning a lot of games. And listen, Hinch just doesn't have that much faith in Ken Giles. Listen, I saw the game last night. You know, it was Davinsky in there in the ninth with a two-run lead. He gave it up with a shot to Brett Gardner, but uh. Is Giles' grasp on that role getting tenuous? It has been tenuous. Yeah. Uh, he's had some blow-ups this year. And then when Hinch has kind of like moved him out of the role for a short period, he's kind of recaptured it. It's interesting because all of his blow-ups have come in non-save situations. He's converted all of his save opportunities. Uh, you know, he got hammered around this week, but they brought him in in a non-save situation. That's why I believe in the closer mentality. Sometimes when you see these guys, they come in into a non-save situation and they're right. used to it. They just they don't perform as well. The adrenaline's not flowing the same right. as they often talk about. So you know if uh, you know if you know you're gonna you're gonna send a, you're gonna send a fire truck out for a closer. I think uh, <laughs> I think. I think that uh, Giles is still going to be the guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if this team makes a move makes because a move. they're 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 uh you know this is a team that's still going to contend for a championship, and I still think mm-hmm. they're the best team in the American League. Is this a team that maybe trades for Kelvin Herrera and right. see and see you know if he if he can get the job done? 
because yeah, let's talk about that some more, well, Scott. I, I mean, I, I'm, a li- I'm a little worried about Giles. I, I, I certainly am. Listen, they I, didn't I still have think he's him in the I, playoffs last year. I still know? think he's number one there. But Hinch was saying already that he was wasn't going to use him last night in the same situation. Yeah, exactly. So you bring up a very interesting point. Listen, there's other closer situations that we know. Go check out the article from George Kurtz. He outlines things like Melanson making rehab star uh, appearances in San Francisco and his path to returning, what Alex Colomay's move to Seattle means. You know, it's anyone's guess as we discussed in the Toronto Blue Jays. You know, we got Clipper, Tapera, oh, maybe even Axford, you know, um, George Kurtz breaks that down, but I think you make a very interesting point. You know, we saw Colome, let's say, get traded no longer in the closer role. There are I was on Fantasy Freestyle, also right here on the Fantasy Sports Network on Tuesday nights, and I was talking to my fantasy best friend forever, Mike Florio, and I was talking about a couple of uh Bullpen arms, Herrera is definitely one that you mentioned that I expect to get moved. And then we were talking about teams that we think could be in the market for the closer. You mentioned Houston making a move because of the lack of faith in Giles. We thought a couple of other places, Scott. The three places we thought that are contenders that may want to try to pull the trigger on a guy like Herrera or a bullpen arm were the Angels, the Phillies, and the Braves. What do you think? You think those three teams might also be in the market for some bullpen help? Uh, I would say the Angels and the Phillies. I don't know about the Braves. They've talked about Vizcaino being kind of up and down. Remember, there's a couple of, you know, we were wondering about Vizcaino's grasp on that job a month ago. I don't, I don't really think, though, that they're a team that is considered a true contender. It, I think it depends on where they are and what they want to spend. I don't You're know talking if about they're the Braves? Make a major First move. place in the NL, NL East, 10 games over? Yeah, you know, at the end of May, which is nice, but. Fair. I, I, don't, I, don't, know if, I don't know if we, we expect that to, uh, how should I say, to stay. The sustainability, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sustainability of it. I'm not, I'm not so sure about it. I like the, I like the other two, uh, I like the other two situations that, that you talked about a, a little mm-hmm. bit better. So wait, is you that, know, the, the, that angel, think- the angel? The angel, the angels certainly have to make a move because, right? Because uh, you know they they really don't know what you know what's going on there. Kenny Middleton like we're saying, yeah. was the guy, but you know now he's out for the year here, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know Miami's probably going to see a change in the closure situation. They'll probably move Brad Ziegler, and right. then you know you might see Drew Steckenrider uh, get get the chance to close for that team. So, Scott, is that to say then you have, you know, we talk about the sustainability, Brad, right? Brad Hand is Yeah, is I'm going to get into some of these like, guys. I definitely – there's a couple of options. I want to get into some of them. But before we get into specific relievers, Scott, so is that to say you believe kind of in the, the Phillies sustainability more than no. the Braves? Cause you, no? Well, you said no. you thought the Braves would I th- make I that think move, Washington but the Phillies might. I was, Washington is eventually going to gain a comfortable lead overall the rest right. of the division. You know, so I'm just asking, though, because you said, you know, you didn't know that they were going to contend in a sustainable way, but that you did think the Angels could make a move, and you did think that the Phillies might want to make a move. And so I'm asking you, you think I that think the, the Phillies, Phillies want to are... make a move because they don't even have somebody as, right. as okay. good as Vince Caino at the back end. You know, they're really struggling. 
Right. So Neris, you know, kind of doesn't, uh, you know, keep people comfortable and satisfied. Let's talk no. about some of these names. You talk about Herrera, right? I like what you mentioned in Brad Hand He's also in San, too, yeah. in San Diego. Like, I listen, we've talked about the Royals being open for business, whether it is Herrera, Duffy, Moustakis is also, you know, kind of on a one-year deal. These are guys that are probably going to move. Let me ask you this, Scott. If you have Kelvin Herrera, and you're probably, you know, you're expecting him to get moved. What happens if it's like a column A situation where he moves to a team where he goes into a new role, a seventh or an eighth inning role? Are you trying to get ahead of this by, I don't know, f- gauging the market for Herrera? Like, how are you, how are you handling it if you have Kelvin Herrera on your team right now? And what I, happens I if, like, I, you're in I, an I, AL I only league yeah, and he we gets traded about to the this. NL? We talked, know, yeah. about the, we talked about this last yesterday. week. The trade value is yeah. not going to be high. Okay. You take what you can get out of them while you get it. You know, we talked about this already with Colome, and mm-hmm. it's the same type of situation. You don't gotcha. know if he's going to be traded out of your player universe or his mm-hmm. role or whatever, and, uh, and other people are not going to be willing to give up more than, I say, like 50, 60 cents on the cents dollar for that. All right, so let's say uh, what percent chance do you think, Scott, that Kelvin Herrera does in fact get traded? I think I would I would say there's about a 65 percent chance he gets traded. All right, so you like that to happen? You talked about I'm Brad Hand. It. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely going to go. He is an asset that Kansas City can use to restock, uh, kind of what they need over there. You talked about Brad Hand as well in San Diego. They're not going anywhere. People like him. He's also a lefty out of the pen, which is also interesting, right? Uh, it's Scott, rare, so, rare for a closer, yeah. It is very rare. So I would think there's even more potential for a guy like Hand to get traded and and be in a different role, right? For a team, a contending team, maybe they view him as a lefty specialist as opposed to a closer. What do you think likelihood that Hand is on the move in the next two months? Well, you make you make some great points here because he would be a tremendous lefty out of a bullpen. You have to look at a team that's already stacked and maybe is looking for that that sort of specialist. Right. And uh, you know, actually, I I could see maybe the Yankees making a play. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. that they could use a lefty, that could, right? That, that, not that they need bullpen improvement sure, necessarily, but they are righty dominant between you know Batantis and Robertson, Canely, all I these mean, guys. I mean, you look, you look at the rich getting richer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if he's going to go to a non-safe situation, uh, that that is that is an excellent spot for him to go to. Okay, that's interesting. A couple more uh, guys I want to bring up in this vein. We talked about Nate Jones. I know you say that the Chai Sox don't give him many opportunities, but he does have closer stuff. Do you think he could be on the move? Is it above or below 50% in your opinion for Nate Jones? Probably probably like a little below 50%. You know, they've been waiting for him to come back for a while. Uh, this is a guy I think that could be traded. If he's traded away from the Sox, they'll probably wouldn't get a lot of save chances. Yeah, um, so maybe he's one of your bridge kind of guys, a seventh or an eighth inning guy for someone else. Remember last year or a couple of years ago when when the White Sox traded David Robertson to you know the Yankees? He goes from being kind of a closer type to a seventh inning guy. The last team I want to talk about in this vein as we finish up our number one here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Holler at us if you want at 844 843-6879 in our second hour. Scott Baltimore. 
We got to look at Baltimore, right? I mean, you know, it seems like Zach Britton is going to start a rehab assignment today. That means he's going to probably be back sometime next week. They've been saying early June for him for a while. Couldn't the Orioles just flip all these guys? Couldn't the Orioles wind up trading Britton if he's healthy, trading Brock, uh, even trading a guy like O'Day if he comes back and can be healthy? If you're the Orioles, shouldn't you just flip them all? Uh, I think that's kind of extreme and not realistic as to what Major League Baseball teams do. I'm not okay. saying it's impossible to happen, but I think it would be unusual. I think Britain's the guy that gives him a lot of value and somebody they would like to flip. Okay, but you don't think uh, they would also then trade? So let me ask you this. Let's say you are a Brad Brock owner, right, Scott? And you're right. kind of thinking, uh-oh, Britain's coming back. That kind of null and voids most. I mean, you know, there's holes and stuff like that. But that really kills most of Brock's value, right? So would you kind of, if you're a Brock owner, be like, wait a second. Let me hold on to this because there's so much buzz about Britain being on the move. Maybe come, you know, August 15th, Brock is right back in the closer role. Yeah, maybe come August month. Yeah, Brock's in the closer yeah. But so would you kind of I, I, maybe I, I, hold on I, I to like, him a little bit more? I, I like that, though. So, yeah, I'm okay with holding on to him. Yeah, You're sure. okay with holding on to him because, yeah. remember, like you said, people are going to move and people are going to be in other roles. And it sounds like Buck and the Orioles really think that Brock is, you know, he is the next man up. He's been in that role. He does have about eight or nine saves already. So maybe he can, in fact, be the guy with the um, expected return and then movement of a guy like Zach Britton. I'm telling you, Scott, if I were them, I'd flip them all. I'll tell you what, and I know this would be kind of controversial. If I'm, you know, we talk about the bats that are out there, you know, the Baltimore may trade Machado, you know, as well. I I mean, I'd break it down if I was Baltimore. I know he's kind of like Captain America to that team, but Adam Jones, would he have a market? I think he certainly would if they're willing to move him. I don't know what – I haven't heard any but that's rumors the thing. that like they're if trying you're, to move him. I, but if you're Baltimore, you know, we talk about this all the time, Scott, with teams, you know, that are not ta- – that are tanking in the NBA or rebuilding, shall we say. The Baltimore Orioles are 17-38, and 38, Scott. They have two of the best teams in the majors in the Red Sox and Yankees in that division. If they took – if they take a look in the mirror, right, don't they have to realize that Adam Jones, while has been of great service to that organization for over a decade, you know, is not going to be part of the squad whenever they are back on the upswing part of the cycle, you know, and Machado, he ain't signing there. So like, when do they cut their losses and, you know, kind of be honest with themselves and do what they have to do for the future? It's a valid point, but I haven't heard any rumors that Adam Jones is going to be on the move. Well, let me start the rumors right now, Scott. That's what I'm doing. That's what the spitting statistician what, what, does. Well, you speculate, no. You speculate. I am. I, I it's am. legitimate speculation, I'm, but it's, it's kind of like an educated guess. There's nothing guess, solid. Right? It's, it's no, nothing I haven't solid heard any reports. I haven't heard any yeah. reports. What I am doing though is putting two and two together and getting four. You know what I mean? Like if you're, it's hard to get four though if you don't have the plus sign. Which is the plus sign is, is there, are there any actual rumors out there? Two to the second power, baby. That's what it is. I square it with my rumors, but I digress. Hey, Scotty, hour number one in the books here on Roto Experts in the morning. When we come back, here's what we're going to do. We got a great jam-packed hour number two, okay? We have our guy, Jake Seeley, the all-in kid, coming in. We're going to ask him about some NFL news and notes. Your Seattle Seahawks have an addition that hurts your boy Amari Dar- 
Darbo, Scott. You were big on Amari Darbo. I don't know if that's the case anymore based on some moves that happened in the Pacific Northwest. We'll get into some of the news and notes. I also have an idea about a quarterback that should be, uh, I think, on everybody's radar. Then we're going to welcome in Colin Drew. We're going to talk a little bit about PGA Golf. The Memorial Invitation is this week in Ohio, so we'll get into that. And, of course, we need to update Roto Clio. Scott, you may have to start thinking about giving away a Roto uh, an exclusive edge package. J-Rod starts off this week hot, so hard that he sweats steam. We'll come back and check it all out. Roto Experts in the Morning, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tuned in to the Roto Experts. Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Let's cock a doodle do it. It is Dane Martinez, speeds the spitting statistician, El Rey de Fantasia, Scott Angle. And, uh, yeah, we're doing okay. It's bright and early in the morning, feeling good. And we also have. My guy, he is holding the nut flush, so he is going all in. It's our guy, Jake Seeley. How you doing today, Jake? I'm doing good. How's it going? I'm hanging in there all right. Jake, we got some news and notes from the NFL I want to get started with. And, you know, we know Scott loves his guys up in the Pacific Northwest, and so they made news yesterday. We heard that Brandon Marshall took a visit there last week. And, Jake, usually if you take a visit somewhere and they say, like, if you leave the building, it doesn't usually bode well for you signing with them. But Brandon Marshall does, in fact, sign with the Seattle Seahawks. Could this be a case where he continued his roadshow and found no real interest? What do you think about this? signing and the fit Brandon Marshall in Seattle Jake yeah well there wasn't a lot of options left at this point I mean this is a landing spot we talked about last week where I said it made a lot of sense for Des Bryant and Brandon Marshall is not too dissimilar in the fact that they're not exactly the same wide receiver but they're on the downside of their career but the thing that you only really cared about at this point is they're both still good red zone threats and it has nothing to do with oh Brandon Marshall's tall and Des Bryant no that's just what their skill set is they're, they've right. always been that neither good one of the them have the catch right neither one of them have ever been that amazing at separating from defenders never they've always been as you said they're good at the point of the catch they can body out players they know how to attack the ball in the air and they're good because of that especially in the red zone and the size does help it's not just because of the size and you see people out there you know they're talking about the fact of how many opportunities inside the five-yard line went to Doug Baldwin and other people and stuff like that. That's, I think that's diving down too far the analytics. The fact is, is when you're inside the 10-yard line, whether it was always the Doug Baldwin, the fact is opportunities are going to be there. Jimmy Graham was not always the option. Jimmy Graham was an option often. Baldwin wasn't the option all the time. He was about, like They're all in the mix, and the fact is Jimmy Graham's not any, there anymore. They need somebody else for opportunities, and that's what we want to try and predict in fantasy football is opportunities because opportunities will often result 
in the production. So just focus on the opportunities. There's a lot of people that tweeted about it yesterday. I think Scott Barrett was one of them that showed that just opportunities of running backs and wide receivers is all that matters. It actually matters more for fantasy points than anything else. And that's what you're looking for here. It's, it's, a, it's a knock to everybody down the line. You know, I don't think he's the second most talented wide receiver. You could make an argument for Tyler Lockett, but it certainly hurts Tyler Lockett, Darbro, as you mentioned, any other wide receiver for the Seahawks at this point. Except yeah, I, I don't. I, opportunity doesn't often doesn't lead to production too. And Marshall to me is a guy that's caught three touchdown passes in the last two years, and the skills have faded. Yeah, you look at the size and the point about Baldwin. He's not a red zone receiver. Right. He can score from winning the five by being creative, but he's not a red zone receiver. Uh, there's no guarantees that Marshall even makes this team. This is a flyer. You know, the Seahawks. I can make an All Star team of team history where they've took it flyers on guys at the end of their careers and it hasn't worked out or it has, like Franco Harris at running back, didn't work out. Warren Moon at quarterback, I'm just having fun here, it did work out. Uh, you know, got guys like that. Jerry Rice at the end of his career. Right. And now, now Brandon Marshall. Uh, there's no guarantees he even makes the squad. Darbo, I don't think it's really a knock on him because I think Darbo's going to play a different role than him. You know, but Darbo is not a big red zone type. They, so I don't think it hurts Darbo. To me, it's interesting. A, you know, a super deep sleeper for me on this roster right now with Tim, Tim with, uh, with, with, uh, Jimmy Graham gone. If Marshall still can't do it, Tanner McElvoy is a, is a team is a guy that's in his third year out of Wisconsin. The team likes him. I don't think anybody realizes not only does he get downfield, the guy is six six two thirty. So if Brandon Marshall doesn't have anything left and Tanner McElvoy has a good camp, mark it down. This guy is a super deep sleeper. Interesting. The King, Scotty Angle, digging in the crates up in the Pacific Northwest to come up with McAvoy. But to your point, Jake, you know, we always – that's why I asked you at a few shows ago. We talked about what I'm now calling the XYZ affair in, in American history. You know, we talk about different types of receivers, right? Baldwin is kind of like the slot guy, a great, you know, great wide receiver nonetheless, but a different archetype. You talk about Tyler Lockett. This is a guy that's in space. This is a guy that has speed down the field. And so maybe he does fill that Jimmy Graham kind of red zone role a little bit for targets inside the red or the green zone. But, Jake, let me ask you this. I mean, you talk about the targets kind of being spread evenly. Couldn't that possibly be because Russell Wilson is playing schoolyard football, running for his life a lot of times? There's so many plays that are off script. And so at that point of the play, you kind of all bets are off about the play design and it's whoever can break free. Could that be part of why like maybe the, the targets are kind of spread? Russell Wilson's running for his life half the time. Uh, I, I think that's kind of overstating what Russell Wilson's doing a lot of times. The offensive line hasn't been that bad until last year, had its worst struggles. But the fact is, it's just Russell Wilson doesn't target anybody specifically. He goes to who's open, and Doug Baldwin is the number one, and then everybody else is in the mix after that. And one of the things that, that – this is one of the reasons I've never been on the Seahawks' number two wide receivers because they don't use any of them consistently. Like, if, if you look at the depth chart and it was listed, this is their number two wide receiver, that doesn't mean that's going to be the number two wide receiver receiver all year long in production or even targets on the field they just they're they're very flexible with who's the opportunity that they need to use and exploit matchup wise and then Russell Wilson's going to who's open he's not forcing things he's not looking right. for the second guy every single time he's just that good of a quarterback and that's what it has to do with it. it has nothing to do with the fact that he's like scrambling all the time 
Yeah, and yeah, that's I think that's a knock to Marshall because you know Jake expertly talks about even, you know even early throughout his career, Russell Wilson has all been all about extending the play, and can Brandon Marshall at thirty four years up old keep up with that you know with that with the type of scrambling and you know creativity on the fly that the receivers have to do? Amari Darbo has always already been in the system. For a year, and you have to remember another factor too. Seattle did use Jimmy Graham basically as their goal line back last year because they didn't have anybody who could punch it in the red zone for short yardage. Now they Russell have Wilson Rash- as their goal line back, not not Jimmy Graham. No, Russell Wilson wasn't the goal line back. He did, he hardly you ran said for Jimmy Graham. Graham. I thought I said Jimmy Graham was a goal line back essentially for the the Seahawks last year. He, he, he said Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he, he caught he caught ten touchdown passes last year because the Seahawks didn't have a reliable running back to punch it in from short yardage. Gotcha. Now they have Rashard Penny. There may not be a Jimmy Graham role this year. Now, of right. course, you want to have somebody in the red zone you can throw to, so the defense just doesn't think running back. But I, I don't think Brandon Marshall comes in here and catches seven touchdown passes. All right, fair enough. Listen, Marshall is, however, off the board. Hey, Jake, there was some news yesterday. If you follow social media, and I know 30-some-odd thousand people follow you, you know, we saw something about Des Bryant potentially intimating that he may want to go to the 49ers. He then deleted kind of, I think, an Instagram (laughs) post. You know, someone asked him where he wanted to play. A couple questions for you, Jake. One, do you think that is a good fit? Is Des the next domino to fall? Or are we in the kind of year where these guys now that are left still have to kind of maybe wait for an injury in training camp? And when I say these guys, I'm thinking Des Bryant, but two other names I want to throw out to you and see if there's uh, you know, kind of any value, how you would rank these guys with left in the tank. I think Jeremy Macklin is still out there. And I think Eric Decker is still out there as yep. well. I mean, I mean, you know, we were all talking every time we bring up Dez, we talk about how he's not the elite wide receiver anymore. He doesn't have left in the tank. Same with Brandon Marshall. How would you compare them to those two guys, Eric Decker and Jeremy Macklin, who are still ready for the taking if a team wants them? He's still got a lot more than they do. There's no like those. They're both toast. Macklin okay. and Decker. I, I don't. I don't know that they signed before we started to get like maybe an injury Injuries. in training camp or preseason or something like that. There's, I don't get excited. Forget about it for fancy. If anything, at least Brandon Marshall has a chance to make the team and be a threat. In like what we're talking about here is maybe their number two if he still has something left, and maybe their number three if he gets knocked aside by Tyler Lockett, whoever it might be. Sure. These guys are just going to be grasping for a roster at this point. And, Even in and Buffalo, th- Indianapolis, I, these I kind of places? I don't, I don't care where it is. We've seen it. These guys have fallen off the cliff at this point. Their production severely lacks. They don't have – they're not. And more so Decker because of injury. Macklin just something went – you know, I know he got hurt too. But at the same point, like Macklin something, he lost something between the injury. I don't know what it was. In Kansas he's, City. He's lost he a stat. I, I don't know. There's something happened there. Des Bryant is still – a good one, I'd say two tiers ahead of these guys. Everybody wants to knock Des Bryant for not being as good as he was. And we go back to the whole conversation we just had a little three minutes ago. He's never that good of a separator. You never asked Des Bryant to put the moves on a defender and all of a sudden get five yards of separation. He was never not a that West quick, Coast quick fit guy. for you, Jake. <laughs> no, he's not. And, that, and that's what you look at with Des Bryant. And the fact is, if you look at last year and you watch the play, Dak Prescott was a good reason for a lot of, not all of, a lot of Des Bryant's struggles. There's one series you can look at specifically, and I know they're not all that way, but there was one where they were inside the five-yard line. 
Dak Prescott goes to him three straight plays, all three downs. He overthrows, overthrows, throws behind him. Three plays in a row. One of those, by the way, was Dez extending the play, which we were just talking about with Brandon Marshall not doing. And he missed them wildly by all three. And so some of it is on deck. I'm not saying Dez is still amazing, but there's still a lot left. Now, the problem is Baltimore offered him a multi-year deal. Obviously, it wasn't to the level he wanted on mm-hmm. the money, probably. And he now said he's – this is actually a couple he weeks prove ago. It, he said, quote, unquote. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's willing to do the prove-it deal. The problem is is trying to find a team – willing to do that and give you the $8 million instead of just a $3 million, $2 million co- contract like Brandon Marshall got. So now you're down to Arizona makes sense. Baltimore still makes sense. Right. I doubt he wants to go to Buffalo or the Jets for teams that are probably starting rookie quarterbacks at some point. So Jake, the doesn't is- Dallas make sense? Oh, of course it does. Dallas could use a wide receiver. They, always, they definitely could. Stop trying to make Terrence Williams your number one. But the problem yeah, exactly. is... Exactly. Finding the options there, so I actually think Dez could end up being closer to training camp as well. But like I said, I would not put him in the same conversation as those two. Yeah, I'd like to, I would have liked to see him go to Green Bay. You know, that would have been interesting. But when they got Graham, I think, uh, I think that was pretty much shot out the window right there. So uh, look, the price has to come down. I don't see him going back to Dallas. It, nothing's out of the question, but I think that would be a shock. It's interesting that 2014 Cowboys team, which we thought was like on the verge of stardom, now the quarterback is is in the booth, the wide receivers it has been free agent, and mm-hmm. the running back he's still out there is Demarco Murray. All three of those guys were key. Tight ends for the gone. 2014. Too, well, he's retired. Yeah, that those don't that triumvirate though was a big reason for their success, and now you know they're all out on the street. In one way or another, you know, where's DeMarco Murray going to sign? Hey, uh, Scott, do you agree with Jake that uh, Decker and Macklin are, uh, you know, not worth conversation at this point in time? Yeah, Decker just became a role player with the Titans. Injuries just really caught up to him. It was a shame. Uh, And as far as Macklin goes, maybe it can be a death piece. You know, I think he has to to wait for an injury as well. By the way, Dane. Just as for, for conversation, well, well, it's it, the site takes a while when you pull this up. Uh, if you ever go to Pro Football for Reference, the through their database mm-hmm. takes a while. Since Marshall left Denver, I didn't include Denver. I included 2010 to 2015, the year before like he just got the hurt. Chicago and the Jets, Chicago and Miami. Which oh, right, uh, the Miami. first year in Miami, <laughs> yeah, the first year in Miami wasn't that great. But he was hurt a lot last year. Is hurt in 2016, not healthy for most of the season. Granted, he as, as Scott said, he have, might have nothing left at this point. But to take those 2010 through 2015, six seasons, 67 games, 40 red zone touchdowns in 67 games. Hmm. And here's wow, another thing. I don't yeah. want Brandon Marshall. To That's make like nine the team. a season, let's say nine or ten. I don't want Brandon Marshall as a fan to make the team. You know why? Brandon Marshall has never appeared in an NFL playoff game in his career, and so I don't want that automatic. happening this year. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's you like don't an automatic curse. jinx. I don't want that curse. Hey, Scott, I, my... hate, I hate to tell you this, but your team and my team are probably not making the playoffs this year. Um, Fair enough. Mine is not either, Jake. I'm a Jets fan. <laughs> I, would, I would speak for yourself because I, I feel like when you still have Russell Wilson, Earl Thomas, and Bobby Wagner as, as, a, as a foundation, they still have a crack. I think that, to make the wild card. The Scott, I might have to go. Crack. It ain't happen. I might have to go on over to my. You might be wrong AG on that one. And build you. I'd a rather block, have Russell Scott. Wilson than Eli Manning. 
I might be able to build you a prop on will the Seahawks make the playoffs. You know, you mentioned Brandon Marshall. He is kind of, I think he's the only player in NFL history, Jake, to have a thousand yards receiving for four different teams. Um, I think that might be true. The Broncos, the Bears, the Dolphins, and the Jets. I don't believe anyone else has ever done that. Jake, you know, we talked about it kind of over the course of the last couple of weeks. This is the downtime of the NFL calendar. You know, OTAs, we're going to start to get into camp. And the kind of stories you hear about people are always what I call best shape of their lives stories, right? It's always about how great everyone looks, how good everyone feels, how much everyone understands the playbook and is ready to advance. And there's a number of things that I saw yesterday about this. You know, Christian McCaffrey's added five pounds maybe to be able to handle the rigors of early down work charles clay has improved his diet you know so that maybe he can be more healthy kareem hunt focusing on the passing game um in otas in kansas city he wasn't doug, that already right you know hey doug martin looking good could the muscle hamster push beast mode for uh, the top of that depth chart do any of these what i call best shape of his life stories move the needle for you jake Nope. I tune out to all. What about the CMC adding weight? You know, we talk about a guy like Kamara and and Scott mentioned that without Mark Ingram, you can't just assume that Kamara is going to take on that load. You know, they bring in CJ Anderson to pretty much probably be the early down work. Uh, That was the only one I thought maybe he's trying to, you know, bulk up, stand up to the rigors of an NFL season. No. What was okay. my answer? Did I say maybe? I said no. no your answer was not no. A, your answer was not, no. It yeah, was in not, English. I understood. N- n- none yeah, of what, them what matter you see about Mc- Christian. C.J. Anderson's you, going to be Jonathan Stewart for that team. Okay. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, you look at Christian McCaffrey, and you look at you look at uh, you look at Alvin Kamara. They're just not built the same. And Christian McCaffrey, I think, is even less equipped. You you could say maybe Kamara can do it because he's five ten to twenty, whereas Christian McCaffrey weighs 15 pounds less than that. So I think I think a lot more confidence in Kamara. You have to look at how the running back is built and what their style is too. Right. So, Scott, then isn't it a good thing then that he's trying to put on weight because you said he's even slighter than Kamara? Yeah, but that doesn't mean he, – he's, he's not a 220. He's still 15 pounds lighter. So yeah. I don't think he's, he's less capable. And, you know, he's more of a make-you-miss speed back than, right. than Kamara is. All right, definitely in a PPR formats. We like CMC. We like him less uh, kind of in these standard formats. When we come back here on Roto Experts in the morning, we're talking golf. It's PGA action. We got our guy Colin Drew in. He's going to help you win some money uh, playing a little bit of P- uh, DFS golf this week. Listen, it don't matter what sport you play because the money is good wherever you go. Colin Drew joins us. Dane Martinez, the King, Scott Angle, and the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. We talk a little bit about the memorial invitation when we come back. Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fan Control Football League is making fantasy football a reality. Like a real-life version of Madden, fans will vote on all personnel decisions and play calls in real time. And what the fan says goes. Visit fcfl.io to learn more. The FCFL, where you're in control. Welcome back. 
Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez, Scott Angle, and the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. And we are joined right now by my guy, Colin Drew. Listen, Colin, I love, you know, for a, a fairly novice DFS player like myself, I love that there is kind of virgin territory that I could learn about and PGA events provide that for me. So I'm so excited to have you on, like you usually are here on a Wednesday on Roto Experts in the Morning. Colin from DailyRoto.com. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's a really fun PGA Tour event this week. Uh, eight of the top ten players in the world. Yeah. So I know we've had a couple weaker ones the past past few weeks, uh, but really strong field. Probably the strongest field that we'll see before the U.S. Open. So let's get into that. That was a question I had for you. You know, the tour is over in Dublin, Ohio. They call it Jack's Invitational, right? Because it's his course, you know, that he designed. And you mentioned eight of the top 10 players, 15 of the top 25, Colin. I see the names here, and it is heavy duty. It's also an Invitational, right? So that means you're going to have 120 in the field instead of maybe 150 or so. The fact that it's an Invitational condensed field, and you have so many of the top top players playing, where does that create value? Could that create value in sort of like that mid-tier, like 7,000 range? Yeah, I think um, where we're seeing a lot of the early value is actually in the $9,000 range right now, just because uh, there there is a little bit of a drop-off from, you know, Dustin Johnson, who's the top-ranked golfer in the field, but uh, there's so many good names, and like you mentioned, like 15 of the top 25, and a lot of those guys end up falling into the $9,000 range or the high eights. And so, if you build through that range, then you can grab, you know, three or maybe even four guys for your lineup that um, have, you know, the ability to finish inside the top 20, or re- realistically to have the ability to win the event, and then round it out with the $7,000 range. You mentioned it's an invitational, like last week, um, and so that does mean that. Your ability to get six of six golfers through the cut is easier, and that's something that's really important for tournaments on DraftKings and FanDuel is making sure that all of your guys are playing through to the weekend. If you don't want to quite spend up near the top, and uh, I'm sure you're going to be talking about this on Going for the Green Fantasy Golf, as you do every week right here on the network, about how to balance your budget. Uh, what about Mark Leishman at $9,000 on DraftKings? coming off a runner-up finish at the Byron Nelson uh, two weeks ago. Is this a guy you can build your team around if you don't want to spend $10,000? I I think really whenever you're talking about the guys who are $9,000 and above, all of them are sort of in consideration for your lineups. We have uh, Leishman a little bit overpriced in this field. I know he did have that strong finish at the Byron Nelson, but that was one of the weakest fields that the PGA Tour has seen all year. And so we would rather find the money to to pay up for Henrik Stenson or Tiger Woods uh, in this event. I know that it's an event that Tiger's won twice in the past 10 years. Obviously, he's a little bit of a different golfer now than he was then, but he had a strong showing at the Players' Championship and particularly with strong and strokes gained approach. And that's one of the statistics that we think will matter a little bit more this week. And so I would rather pay up for Tiger Woods, who will you know, probably be pretty popular just because of his name value alone, or Henrik Stenson, who will probably be a little bit less popular just because he doesn't have quite as strong of a course history, and that's something a lot of people look to guide their DFS plays. And so um, those are kind of the two guys that I'd be looking to uh, over Mark Leishman. But I do think that, you know, anytime you're talking about the guys $9,000 and above, all of them are sort of in your player pool if you're going to build like 10 or 20 lineups. They're in all in consideration. 
If I bump into him in Virginia Beach, I'm going to tell you that you don't like him. I'm just going to let you know that right now. I've already <laughs> talked to him once before, so I'm letting you know. Uh, I want to go back to something that's actually um, the, the Justin Thomas situation because he just passed Dustin Johnson in the ranking for number one, but he's the fifth most expensive. And I see a lot of people talking about that saying – this is the person to target. So are you looking at him because of that for cash lineups but not for tournament lineups because he's underpriced, or is Justin Thomas just an all-around great play? He's a good play. It's That range is tough because he's kind of sandwiched right between Justin Rose and Jordan Spieth, and there are a lot of reasons to like any of them individually. Uh, Justin Rose obviously winning last week uh, and really having a dominant performance on stroke skin approach and stroke skin tee to green, which are often the most consistent metrics on a week to week basis. And so uh, Justin Rose is a guy who's played this course well in the past. And I think that uh, I, I have more comfort with him as far as the consistency of results that you get than Justin Thomas, um, who, you know, this year he's been consistent, but throughout, you know, the past 18 months or so of his career, sometimes a little bit more erratic and then, like, like you said, you know, he's a great play, but J- Jordan Spieth is right down below him. And so you get $500 savings going to Spieth. Spieth's the top player in this field and strokes gain T to green. And his putter just hasn't clicked. I feel like probably talked about this with you guys every week he's been in the field, but uh, it's one of those things that putting can be so volatile for him. It's been bad the whole season, but his career, he's never been worse than 60th in strokes gained putting on a season. And so eventually you feel like that's going to click and turn around and lead to, you know, sort of a dominant performance. And um, I, I think you can make an argument for Rose, Thomas, or Spieth. I think we have a slight preference in just taking the savings, the $500 savings uh, on Spieth, but wouldn't fault you either way. Talking here with Colin Drew, DailyRoto.com. They make millionaires over there on Daily Roto. He's hooking us up with insights for the Memorial Invitational in Dublin, Ohio. Colin, you know, I always like to say to the listeners, we're not just giving you a fish. We're teaching you how to fish. And over the course of the last few weeks, I've heard you throw out the stats of strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained on the approach, strokes gained tee to green or putting, right? Can you tell me more about these stats and kind of what courses lend itself to caring about these stats more? Is it as simple as like the strokes grained on the approach are guys that are just good with the iron play and that caters to some of the shorter courses, stuff like that? Can you give me a little bit of a thumbnail sketch on how you apply these different stats to specific courses? Yeah, so the um, overall kind of the main stats are st- strokes gained tee to green and strokes gained putting, and obviously those are going to matter at any course because you're always going to have uh, sh- shots tee to green and you're going to have shots sure. on the green. Um, but where it kind of breaks down a little bit is with the the metrics that make up strokes gained tee to green, and that strokes gained off of the tee, which is is your tee shot um, on any hole except for a par three, and then you have strokes gained approach, which is any approach shot that is greater than thirty yards. And then you have strokes gained around the green, which is any shot within 30 yards of the green. And um, one of the things that Data Golf, who powers the fantasy golf projections over at Daily Roto, has is a breakdown for each course, which as far as what drives the variation in the scores. And so you can look at a course like this, which you mentioned is a Nicholas designed course. And he typically sets up his courses so that uh, any golfer who kind of brings their game there that week can compete. And so he doesn't want it to be a course that can be overpowered and Um, A lot of times you look at some of these holes, like the shorter par fives, and you think that, you know, it sets up for some of the longer players. But if you dig a level deeper, you find out that it forces tee shots to the same location via rough water or dog legs. And so that then sort of takes a little bit of the advantage of the off the tee play 
um, and puts the onus a little bit more on the approach. And it's one of the things when you look at some of the, the past winners, whether it was uh, Jason Duffner or Justin Rose or Matt Kuchar, and a lot of those guys' strength is in their long iron and approach game. Taking a look uh, down the list for a possible bargain, what do you think of Keegan Bradley at 7,200 uh, on DraftKings? You know, does have some success at the Memorial, uh, tied for eighth in 2015. Yeah, I think that Keegan Bradley is a nice value. Um, we have a slight preference maybe to some of the guys up in the $7,400, $7,500 range, but uh, Keegan has had eight straight made cuts. And so um, I believe in the strokes gained approach metric across not just the PGA Tour, but the European Tour as well. He's actually at number one in the world over the past little bit. And so I definitely think that Keegan Bradley is a nice value play if you are looking to savings. Whether that's cash games or tournaments, I think he's a guy that should be on your radar. And particularly if you're looking to pay up for any of the more expensive golfers, it is nice to get that little bit of discounted price tag that you mentioned, Scott. Well, what about so uh, quickly about him, and then I have a second quick, quick follow-up question. What about Patrick Cantlay, which seems to be like the pick every single week at this point? Yeah, he definitely has been the pick every single week. Uh, really disappointing last week uh, with his performance. One of the things with uh, Cantlay that was especially disappointing last week is that all the strokes that he lost was off the tee and on approach. And that's a little bit concerning heading into this week. I think, one, like we talked about in the past, one of the things, if a guy is losing strokes putting in a given week and that's what causes him to miss the cut, sometimes that's just uh, variance and having like a poor week with the putter. It is a little bit more concerning with Cantlay. Uh, because I think his ownership is still going to be high this week. Um, and so you're not necessarily, you know, a couple of years ago in DFS golf, if the guy missed the cut, his ownership would go through the floor and you could get him at, you know, a bargain ownership and a bargain price. Now you're getting a nice price discount on Cantlay. And so it does seem like if his approach game's there, he should fit the course well, but the ownership's a little bit high in tournaments. And so it's probably a guy that I'll still have in, you know, 20, 25% of my teams. But um, at the heavy ownership, I'll probably cap my exposure there. Okay, and then I was going to say real quick, so inside the top 20, I'm on Daily Rotor right now, I'm looking, and there's seven guys in the $8,000 range inside the top 20, which normally those are the 8,000 guys are kind of saved for cash lineups. Could this be a week where, you know, maybe you fade the Justin, Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas and all those and build one of those cash typical lineups and end up having a chance to make that a tournament lineup because some of the guys are near the top this week? Yeah, definitely, especially in some of the smaller field tournaments. Uh, one of the, the ways that I like to leverage the product that we have is um, between the projections and also the ownership projections and make sort of a, a balanced contrarian lineup where it, it really is a balanced lineup rounded out with a bunch of high-quality players, but you're searching for the guys that offer a little bit of leverage and have an, a low ownership projection. I think Phil Nicholson is one of those guys this week that is on my radar for tournaments. I definitely prefer Matt Kuchar in cash games just because of the security he provides. And uh, his course history here is elite. I know we talk on and off about course history and how much to value it. But when someone has elite course history like Kuchar, it's a little bit hard to overlook. Made the, the cut 10 straight times here. Mentioned earlier that he's won this event and has five top five finishes. So really strong track record. But that's going to draw all the ownership to him and leave Phil Mickelson low owned. Uh, Phil finished second in this field last year in strokes game key to green, but had a really poor putting week. And so I like Phil as part of one of those balanced contrarian lineups that you're talking about where you round it out with really solid golfers, but you search for the ones that have low ownership and winning upside. Uh, we're talking with Colin Drew here 
on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Roto Experts in the Morning. You know, Colin, you mentioned kind of past history is important. Jason Duffner won this event last year. But you also talk about balancing with guys with low ownership. I was surprised to hear you mention Tiger Woods, Colin, a little bit before because I feel like Tiger, isn't he a guy that might have artificially inflated ownership percentage if everybody tries to hop on him or am I crazy? Is is Tiger Woods uh, ever going to be a guy that you could balance out with low ownership? He he probably won't be low owned. Um, With him earlier when he kind of first was in the comeback, a lot of weeks he was going off at 30% owned or so and the results weren't necessarily there to back it up but people were so excited to finally play tiger you know with his comeback that's kind of tapered off a little bit and above nine thousand dollars it's pretty rare that you get a huge discount on anybody um i know that jake had mentioned like obviously rose thomas spieth are all right above him and then you have ricky fowler and tiger right there so i think his ownership will be in check sort of in that 18 percent or so level and that's not high enough that um, at his price tag that I need to get away from that. Um, and like I said, the course history question that you mentioned, how guys have yeah. done here in the past, uh, and Jason Duffner, um, course history is not something we typically value. And it's something that I would really only give weight when it's elite. And so I know that Duffner uh, won this event last year, but that seems like it's baked into his price in the betting markets and on DraftKings. And um, his course history over a longer period of time here outside of that win hasn't been anything that is exceptional, whereas Kucher has kind of done it year in and year out, and is only $500 more expensive. Two interesting points on rotoexperts.com this morning that uh, you talk about the course layout. Uh, the bunkers are some of the most toughest in the, in the world, and uh, is it important to find players with good sand save percentage? Um, I think it's important to find players who aren't going to be in the sand. So <laughs> strokes and approach. Strokes gained approach, hopefully it'll keep the guys out of the sand. There's a lot of water on the approach shots as well. So one bad swing on approach and you're looking at a penalty shot and you're, you know, dropping the ball and hitting it again, going tin cup on it. So I think that uh, sand save percentage is a little bit of a misleading stat. Um, and it, it kind of bakes in the, you know, a guy could be bad out of the sand, but be a really good putter. And so you're kind of baking in a couple different things uh, there. And so I think that um, kind of, if you want to look at, trying to measure a golfer's skill as far as short game that may be using the strokes gained around the green and strokes gained putting and sort of adding those two metrics together gives you a little bit of a more predictive proxy for a golfer's short game. Talking baking, making me hungry with golf this morning. Look at this. I know, it's real early. His boy Roy McAvoy you also brought up. Hey, Colin, where can we see your work? I know Scott mentioned going for the green here on the Fantasy Network. How else can we hear some of your insights or read some of your insights coming up? Yeah, you can check out our podcast. Um, you can check the show live on the Fantasy Sports Network or download it via podcast on Audio Boom, And then check out all of our content, including the projections and probabilities that Data Golf does over at DailyRoto.com. We do have a promo uh, that's always running 10% off FNTSY if you want to give us a look. Now would be a great time to do it because if you were to grab a month right now, not just get the Memorial, which is really strong field and fun event, but you'll also get access through the U.S. Open. So mm. definitely give us a, a check out, and you can follow me on Twitter at DrewB417. Absolutely. That's what you got to do. Get everything you need to win a little bit of extra cash on the PGA. We got one of the majors coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll figure out for sure how to talk to you uh, that week as well, Colin, because I imagine there's more fish in the pools and even a more uh, – you know, opportunity for sharks like us to win a little bit of cash. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning, Colin. Yeah, see you guys next week. 
Sounds good. There you have it, Colin Drew, representing DailyRoto.com. They make millionaires over there, giving you a little bit of prep for the Memorial Invitational out there in Dublin, Ohio. Remember also, you know, over at DailyRoto.com, you could always, you could win two tickets to the 2018 World Series game. Go on over to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. They give you everything you need. They're also giving you the opportunity to play free DFS baseball, and you could win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. When we come back here on Roto Experts in the morning, guys, we need to step our game up for Roto Cleo this week because our guy J-Rod is out to a very good start and I know Scott I know you're a little tight with those exclusive edge packages so we need to do some work in order to uh, keep ourselves safe we'll catch up on that we'll also talk about some of the uh, some of the odds and lines around the NBA we'll get into that when we come back Roto experts in the morning fantasy sports radio network hey yo over here, you want to win a DFS? And you want it for just $1? I got Daily Roto here. Now, why do you want it? Two of the guys behind it have won a million dollars. It's not just about the writers. Not one, not two, but three subscribers have won a million dollars too. That's five millionaires. Five, count them. And it's not counting the $100,000 winners too. They talk about it in the Slack channel. But why is it a dollar right now? Special price for the month of May. Yeah, if you don't like it, then walk away. If you love it and you're winning, keep going. Do I use it? How do you think I afford my massive tracksuit collection? Come on, look at the glitter on this. It's beautiful. You can sort your stats, add your own weights, read articles, distinguish between slates on FanDuel and DraftKings. You got to go to DailyRoto.com and enter code $1. I may just be a creepy guy in a random alley inside your head, but I know what I'm talking about. That's DailyRoto.com, code $1. That's it, one. One dollar, one month, and start winning. Singing, Scott. Yeah, you buddy. know what it is? I do not. This is what the the creators of heavy metal, Black Sabbath, Ooh. Paranoid. All right, there you have it. A little Black Sabbath on Roto Experts <laughs> in the morning, <laughs> right here. You got the King Scott Angle rocking out, a la Beavis and Butthead, and we got Roto Cleo to get into right here. Listen, I said it before. Big shout out to our guy J-Rod, okay? J-Rod and 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 Scott, you'd appreciate this. He didn't go with like you said the chalk. He wasn't like you guys with Mike Clevenger yesterday. He gets a home run out of Shin Su Chu and he gets a win out of Freeland. So he's got 4 points already on the week. Uh Jake and Scott got a win out of Clevenger for 2. I uh had a decent outing out of Ross, but the wheels fell off a little bit. Did not get the win. Uh, I did get a hit out of Francisco Lindor. Um so I only have one point this week. You guys have two, but J-Rod in the lead. So we got to catch up or else we're going to be doling out this exclusive edge fantasy packages. Let's start with Scott here. Wednesday, May 30th. Scott, where do you want to go first, your hitter or your pitcher? The floor is all yours. I'm going to go with my hitter. I'm going to go with, uh, I think, you know, as Daily Roto points out, you want to go with an e- with a rocky stack tonight. Oh, Scott. Against uh, – Against uh, San Francisco's yeah. Derek Holland and Coors Field. But I'm yeah. not going to pick Charlie Blackman or any of those obvious guys. Ian Desmond has guy. really picked it up uh, recently, and he has a 156 ISO against lefties over the last two years. So I'm going with Ian Desmond to hit a home run tonight. 
Fair enough. Ian Desmond looking at that Rocky stacking cores. I was looking at the same place, but uh, I'll let my cat out of the bag in a, in a minute. Jake, where are you going offensively today? Yeah, I'm going for somebody who actually hasn't hit a home run in quite a while, but I'm looking to get off the schneid tonight. And J.D. Martinez. Like, no, no, not J.D. Martinez, although Mike it could Trout. be a good one. He's, he's facing Mike Fires tonight, so we're going to be lighting the fires underneath the Angels' bats, and it's not Mike Trout, who's also you know, a good chance to home run. I would actually go with a local boy and Justin Upton to get off the schneid. He's actually got a reverse platoon split. He actually hits better against righties, so this is a good situation because Fires also gives up some of the most home runs per start in, the, in baseball. Yeah, I like that, Jake. You know, Justin Upton, we talked about it. Uh, Scott and I talked about it a couple times in the 7 o'clock hour. Um, he's a guy that is incredibly streaky. You know, he can go crazy and literally carry a fantasy team for a week or two. Yeah, you're going to get so, three great months and three terrible right. months. You just got to figure out which ones are which. Well, and you are pegging today, May 30th, as potentially the beginning of that. And offensively today, I'm on the Scott bandwagon. I'm looking at these Colorado Rockies at home against Derek Holland. Derek Holland, the lefty. So I look at righties that have good numbers. Listen, uh, you got Nolan Arenado there. You also have the guy I'm taking. He is the namesake of one of my fantasy teams. I tell Scott I'm in second place, looking to go up. And that is my guy, the Trevor Ending Stoll. So I'm going with Trevor Story. He's got a nice little ISO. He's at home. I like the lefty versus righty matchup. Give me Trevor Story. Mostly because, guys, if I said I went Nolan Arenado, I would probably catch heat from you guys. So give me Trevor Story to go yard. Give me Trevor Story to go yard. On the hill. There's a lot of options. We could take the chalk of Max Scherzer. A lot of people like. Huge day. You know, a lot of people like Ross, uh, you know, Stripling. I'm going elsewhere. I'm going with a guy who has a no-hitter under his belt. He is at home. I don't believe in the Texas Rangers offense. Uh, Give me James Paxton today. I think he has a good outing. I think Paxton gets the win. Give me Paxton on the hill. Give me story in the dish. What do you got, Jake? You know, I actually kind of wish – he could play both. I wish this was a National League game and he was doing both because I'm going back to the Angels. And I actually would take him to hit a home run today, too. But he's on the mound. And that's <laughs> Shohei Otanhe going to win this game and dominate the Tigers today. Well, he sounded like a little Eric Cartman-ish there. Otani hey, likes to get the win. But without having to use that call, the Sukadik call. Go ahead, Scott. Bring us on home. Who do you have on the hill today? Yeah, talked about in the first hour of the show. Julio Tehran uh, historically dominates the Mets and uh, nearly no hit them earlier that earlier this month. Jason Vargas on the other side will get run support even if he's not perfect. I'm going with Julio Tehran for the win. All right, there you have it. I'm sure J Rod will get to us with his picks. He's, you know, he's he's in pole position right now. If anybody else wants to play along, hit us up on Twitter at Spittin' Speeds at All In Kid at Scotty Roto X. You could also use the hashtag #RotoCleo, and we will probably see it. I want to ask you guys right now. You know, the NBA Finals gets started tomorrow, Game One, Golden State and Cleveland. What would this be? Is this a uh, quadrilogy is that what this would be a quadrilogy four day four years in a row but it gets started quartet 
Yeah. Something like that, right? I mean, the uh, if you go on over to mybookie.ag, and you should definitely go on over to mybookie.ag anyway, okay? They have player props. The player prop tool really allows you to avoid the Sharks while winning 90% of the money in DFS. You invest in the players that you want without salary caps. You can create your own lines, your own props, and, you know, choose your own payouts pretty much. Go to mybookie.ag, open an account, use the code FANTASY, F-N-T-S-Y. You receive a 50% deposit bonus use the player props tool and make it happen one of the things that i think is really interesting you know the Cavs are going to start the nba finals there's already odds out on where lebron is going to play next year forget about this quadrilogy the real action is in the offseason we got the odds right now on where lebron will play and interestingly enough the Philadelphia 76ers are the morning line favorite at plus 150. I got to tell you something, guys. I don't know if I see the fit. Now, you got to be able to say, yeah, LeBron fits anywhere. And I understand that storyline. But Ben Simmons is a guy who kind of needs the ball in his hand. We're seeing him be such a point-forward distributor. I would be really worried about stunting the growth of Ben Simmons. And then when it comes to Joel Embiid, I would fear that he pretty much turns into Chris Bosh or Ryan Anderson on the corner like, hey, just stretch the floor as a big man and spot up shoot. I don't know if that's the best fit, but they are the favorite right now to land LeBron's services. Hey, Jake, you think uh, LeBron might take his talents to Broad Street? I could see it happening, and I know what you're saying about the fit, but when it's talking about the best player since Jordan, arguably the best of all time, you make it work. You don't say, oh, well, this is going to turn Embiid into this. Uh, it might stunt the growth of Ben Simmons. No. It's, first of all, Ben Simmons is going to be playing alongside one of the best players in the history of basketball. He can learn from him. Uh, this, this, The only problem where I see it is you might say, well, it's the collection of talent, and LeBron James is going to a team that's on the come up, and the fact that is he doing the same thing he did before with Miami, but going to just join a team like that? I, I see some of the other odds. I think he stays out of the West to what my point was last time right. when I said he was staying in Cleveland because the, easy path the easiest the path is staying in the East. They're like, what's your what's your competition? Boston? Boston after healthy? And I, I just look at this and this they, Philly they team ran over about. Yeah, they ran over Toronto with the best team Toronto could throw at them in their history. So I think it makes sense. I think it's honestly going to be Philly, Cleveland. If he goes out west, I can see him going to Houston and replacing Chris Paul and then being like, "Where I let's take the team that you know keeps losing to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, when, when you look at LeBron and the things that you said, the reason why he's so great is because he makes people around him better. As much as LeBron doesn't want to hear it, he basically carried you know this supporting cast to the NBA Finals and what some people consider the greatest feat of his career. So if he can make these guys better, what is he going to do for those guys in Philadelphia? I don't think he stunts the growth. I, I, I I don't agree with that whatsoever. Playing with LeBron could just make everybody better. And ESPN, the magazine, was like wrote a whole story on this at the end of last month about what it would look like. But the other team that's interesting, though, if he's going to go out west is, you know, the Lakers, too. You know, that's been tossed around a lot as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, he's got a house out there. Part, you know, his, his family's spending there, there at times as well. Coming up next here on, on uh, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, you already know by now, we go to Carton and Friends, and we bring in our guy, the fantasy executive, Corey Parson. Hey, Corey, we're like skipping right over the NBA Finals because the real action is LeBron in the summertime in the offseason. Did you see these odds? What do you think about the Sixers being favorite to land LeBron services? I think it doesn't necessarily mesh with semi and Embiid. Scott thinks it's okay. What's your take on the future of LeBron and the fit? Uh, LeBron James me- meshes with anybody. So, um, so I think that right. the 76 thing could happen. I would still say the favorite of the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James means too much to, to that city. And I think he understands that. I think the goal is to one day be the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think <laughs> it's Cleveland. I don't think it's Philadelphia. But I wouldn't worry about the fit. If he was to go to the Sixers, though, he needs to worry about the general manager and his fake Twitter accounts tweeting the about LeBron accounts. James. Yeah, burner accounts are a big thing nowadays. So we see this with really? the uh, 76 Kevin Durant had it too, right, Corey? But yeah, and Kevin I think Durant Kevin Durant still carries a couple burner accounts. I don't think he's <laughs> off that yet. I would guess that a lot of people in uh, sports and entertainment uh, have burner accounts. I don't have That's one. That's probably no. true. That's probably You don't, don't have, have one, one no. Corey? No, nah, mine's just, I gotta oh, everything to- is all me. I don't care. I got a microphone. Anything I got, I say it in this microphone. I know Corey Parsons does not, you know, struggle to share his opinion. And you could hear those opinions from starting at 9 a.m. right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Speaking of opinions, Dane, how come friends? every What's time we, you doing the Roto Clio, Scott always make the obvious choices? We talked about this. We talked about you might, this. You might want to rewind and, and listen again. We talk about this, about who's betting the chalk and who's trying to help the listeners out there with some insight. You know, some people are on this Herman Edwards tip, uh, Corey, you play to win the game. Yeah. And others really want to help their listeners win their leagues and win that cash. I'll let you decide who you think which is which, uh, Corey. You know what I'm saying? Well, I agree, but, <laughs> you know, you want to uh, – Scott, stop going so chalky. How you doing this morning, All yeah, In, kid? Ian, Ian, Ian Desmond is so chalk. I got to teach you more about baseball. How you doing this morning, All In Kid? <laughs> I'm doing good, Corey. How you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, Thank you very much. What's up, Corey? Let me, let me ask you this. They also, you know, we got the odds on LeBron. The odds on the Golden State Warriors to win the championship year this year is out of control. I believe they're now up to something like minus 1,200, which is crazy. Do you think. Uh, but, you know, I also know you don't really make money betting against LeBron. Do you think the books are making it such dramatic because they actually want people to go ahead and take the Cavs? Like, do you think this is a sucker's bet to ride with the King LeBron James? Best series this, uh, price series? I seen on, on this one was uh, was the Cleveland Cavaliers to win the series in seven games. 50 bucks mm. to pay you $1,000. In seven? In seven. Cavs in seven. And that would be them once again, Corey, winning a Game 7 on the road. They've done it before. We saw LeBron James with the block. They've done it before. But to your narrative, Corey, role players play better at home, and the Cavs pretty much only have role players. Yeah, I get what you're saying with that, but they got LeBron James and their role players. Guess what? They just went to TD Bank and got a W. We saw J.R. Smith hit those big-time shots in that game. Not to mention the fact this is a championship team with championship pieces that have done it before. They're going to win this series in seven games. Game seven would be on Father's Day, so it would be after the cookout. Yeah, when you talk about the champ, you know the championship experience, LeBron has it, but a lot of the players around him don't. And the big key for me is is Golden State, so much more depth, and they just came off playing one of the best defenses in the NBA. Uh, Cleveland doesn't play defense anywhere as good as Houston. Hey, uh, Corey, you Yo, mentioned what's the deal? You uh, so. 
I want to nail you down there. We'll make our official predictions tomorrow as we start. But you are saying you are going with Cleveland in seven. Did I hear that correctly? Yes, Cleveland Cavaliers will win the series in seven games. I've been on LeBron James, but this has been in his career-defining moment since back in February before the All-Star break been saying this. So we're going to see it happen because nine times out of ten, the fantasy executive is going to be right. I don't know if you noticed spitting speeds, but that is why they brought me here. Is it a night? It's a ninety percent conversion rate. Listen, you guys, if you want to, you need to go ahead and open an account with mybookie.ag and then just follow the fantasy executive. You know, some guys if they get fifty six percent right, but F- Corey Parson gets you ninety percent win rate. Yo, Corey, I need to be plugged into your Snapchat or something. The one thing I would ask you about this, though, Corey, we still don't know about Kevin Love, right? The yeah. concussion like symptoms that could be hours or that could hey, uh, be turn days. Turn Michael downstairs on the fourth floor. Hey, I think they, they, listen, does they, that matter to Kevin, you, Kevin Love said that he's not going to miss game one, so we'll see how that ends up playing out. Let me ask you this, Spitting Speeds. Did you hear yeah. uh, Pusha T's response to Drake? No, I did not. Yeah, as, as a rapper, Spitting Speeds, you need to take a listen to that. It's uh, pretty good I stuff. I would love to. I would love to. You should have been on top that of that out. already, Speeds. What was you doing well, yesterday? You know, I got a lot of things to do, man. You know, this is <laughs> a lot of work. Twitter for like I'm three on air hours. at 7 a.m. I'm on air at 7 p.m. You know, it's it's a, I'm burning the candle at both ends, fantasy executive. But I would love it if you hit me up. What I did see is Le'Veon Bell released a track called Target, yeah. basically negotiating in, the, in his verses. Did you hear that one, Corey? Yeah, and the thing about it, I don't really pay attention <laughs> to athlete rappers, especially not Le'Veon Bell, the best athlete. <laughs> rapper is Dame Lillard. But here's Dame the thing Dalla. with Le'Veon Bell. I don't blame him. If he doesn't show up till deep in camp, as a matter of fact, if he don't show up at all, I don't blame him. He's a running back in the NFC North that has been targeted before. He needs to have a deal in place that will secure him for the rest of his career, not just to continue to play on these one-year deals. So if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I don't show up. I demand to be traded. Fair what are you going to say to a guy like Drake anyway? I mean, he wins anyway. You look at the top he, 10 hey, Scott, on he, Billboard right now. Say what this do you one? Look at the top 10 on Billboard right now. He's got two of the top three. Yeah, that's true. I'd love to know what he sees in Doris Burke, though, Corey. Same thing I see, uh, spitting speech. <laughs> All right, fair enough. We can talk about that off air. I'll send you a text. You know what it is, Corey. That's about it for Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Carton and Friends up next. Keep it locked.